If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7, but just stay in that place. Pay attention to Holy Spirit. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, God. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. You know, this, this, this last week, I got a phone call from um, the garage, and uh, basically they checked out something on my car, and it was like a hugely expensive piece of work that was more than the car was worth. Yay, that's good news. <laughs> and I did not have that amount of money. And I made a choice in that moment. I just, I just, after the phone call, I was like, wow, God, you're so good. You're so good. Because his goodness doesn't change based on the phone call that I just got, right? He's so good, and he knows exactly what's going to happen, and he knows exactly what he's going to do, and he's already prepared for it. So I just, I made a choice, and I just decided to enjoy his goodness and celebrate how good he is. And then I checked my emails, and somebody had contacted me about doing a piece, a piece of work, a project, that was more than enough to pay for that work. It happened the same moment that they called me. <laughs> wow, God. He's just so good. Right, so, verse 21. Um, so, leave, uh, just before this, Jesus has been talking about a tree and fruit and how to recognize good fruit. And then, in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's a fun one, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know about you, but there are some parts of the New Testament that I read and it scares me. And that, that's one of the ones that scared me for years. I, I read that and I, it nags away at me. And I don't know, do you know what I mean? You sometimes come across those ones. You're like, I know God's good. I believe in the goodness of God. And I know he loves me and it's unconditional. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to turn a few pages to my, yeah, one of my favorite ones here instead. Um, <laughs> but for years, that one's nagged away at me. What is that really about? Why will this happen? Who are these people? Because if they're doing, they're prophesying and there's miracles, the, the Spirit of God is surely flowing through their life, right? So how is this the case? Am I one of those people? You know, we talk a lot about knowing God, but we don't maybe talk so much about being known by God. But when you read the Bible, that's arguably a bigger deal. You know, when... The first crack in humanity's relationship with God wasn't because people stopped trying to, they stopped wanting to know God. It's because they stopped letting Him in. In Genesis, when they listened to the serpent, what do they do? They hide. They hide from God. God asks, Where are you? Shame had caused them to go and hide away and withdraw from His presence. They withdrew from His presence. And it's a question he's still asking. Where are you? Are you hiding? You know, it's possible to come to church, sing songs, pray, even do outreaches, 
even preach and still hide parts of yourself away from God. You know, every week, I think we, in our churches all around the world, where we lift up our hands and we're praying and we're singing, we're like, we want more of you, God. We want more of you. He's like, I'm already here. Where are you? You know, I made a joke just now about like when you see a difficult passage like that and you kind of think, "Um, yeah, I'll come back to that one later. And you go on to one of your ones that you really like. What's the problem with that, though? It doesn't build our lives, does it? You know, I'm actually convinced that the ones that we find the most challenging and the most difficult are actually the ones that we need to go to the most because there's something in there. There's a powerful work the Holy Spirit wants to do through that that's going to change our lives, right? We cannot afford to just overlook stuff. Those are the bits that are going to change your life. You know, the smart thing to do is be real with God about it. God, that scares me. I'm reading that and that scares me. Am I one of those people? I don't want to be one of those people. He loves it when we're real like that. That's the first step of actually drawing him in. When God calls Jeremiah, do you remember what he says to him right at the start? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I remember the day... It's probably about 10 years ago now. I remember the day I realized that out of all the encounters and experiences that I've had with God, all the things that kind of are more kind of like out there experiences, probably the most profound thing he'd been saying to me was a whisper my whole life. Let me in. Let me in. In the little moments, when I'm on my own, when I'm in the lounge, when I'm doing a chore, You know, when you're just kind of like, you're maybe walking between one room and another, and you could just rush and just do get things done and focus on the the here and now and the jobs like you normally do. But if you took a split second to just pause, you would actually hear Holy Spirit saying, let me in. He's whispering it to every one of our hearts, and he's been doing it since the day we were born. You know, being known by God isn't something we have to learn. It's actually something that we've been unlearning our whole lives. We might do great, go to great meetings and go to conferences and do ministry and outreaches and things like that. But how much do we really, really want intimacy with him? What are we prepared to do about that? How much do we really want revival? How much do you really want to see revival in the world around you? in your community, in your town, in your city. What are you prepared to do about that? You know, I think sometimes I think the degree to how compartmentalized our life is with God indicates how willing we are to really be known by him. It's us that says no. He never says no. So it really comes down to this. What do we want? Do we want to play church? Do we want to live a life where we're here for 70, 80, 90, 100 years? I'm going for 120. And then die and then realize that we, for a lot of that, we just played church. 
Is that what we want? You know, I love it. Well, the first time I heard this was at Bethel when they talked about intimacy and they defined it this way. Intimacy is into me, you see. You've probably heard that somewhere. Into me, you see. You can't have closeness without letting your guard down and letting him in. Intimacy doesn't just come because we worship harder or we pray harder or we go to more meetings or we this, that, the other. At some point, we've got to be willing to let him into the secret places of our hearts. You know, I think, now I'm not saying this is the the theological definition of revival, David. (laughs) But I, I wonder if revival is actually when we wake up and realize the walls that we've put up in our hearts and we can finally see them and we start asking him to break them down. You want more of God? No? You want more of God? Because he wants more of you. I think there's a, we're all going to have a time in our life at some point when we look back at all the times we shut Holy Spirit out for other things. That in the split second, maybe we didn't consciously make this decision, but in a split second, we made a decision and we chose something else, frankly, ridiculous. That seemed apparently important at the time. And we didn't let him know us. You know, Chris Vallotton says that, yes, God knows everything. And he knows everything about you. But when it comes to the secret places of your heart, he's made himself subject to your will. He's waiting for you to invite him in. If he didn't, it wouldn't be a relationship. I'm just going to turn to Psalm 139. Wow, God. You know, this was written by David, who is one of those people in the Bible, right, who was known for their intimacy with God. Is that, we all agree with that? Yeah? In, some, in uh, verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. His is being seriously vulnerable with God. He's inviting him into the painful places. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, where it says, see if there is any offensive way in me, the word that we translate offensive there actually means painful. This is a big deal. Here's the thing. He's not, David's not talking about his own pain. He's actively asking God, show me if there's a part of my heart that is causing you pain. Show me right now. If there's a part of my heart, there's something that I'm holding on to in my heart that's still there that I haven't let you deal with yet and it's causing you pain. Because what that means is, It's not the pain in my heart that's causing him pain. It's the fact that I've shut him out of that area. 
the highest form of intimacy is only possible when we invite him into the secrets of our heart. And when we're prepared to dismantle any bits that are violating that connection. We have to care more about that connection with him than we do about him seeing our ugly bits. So many Christians, I think, it's so easy for us to... And by the way, I'm, I am in process on this message myself, right? A hundred percent. What I'm sharing with you today is what's going on in my life. So many of us, we don't ever really let God in properly because we actually were too worried about showing him our ugly bits. Oh! And we never let him, him know us. What we don't realize is we are causing him pain. Did you ever notice, I'm sure you have, that a lot of the people in the Bible who had kind of close relationships with God and kind of were significant people in, in, in the history of the Bible said some pretty stupid things to him. Right? They did, didn't they? Sometimes we laugh about it. Right? Elijah telling God he was the last prophet. No, clearly not. Moses, when he's being called by God, saying, well, I'm not so sure this is such a good idea. I'm not so good at the speaking thing. Jeremiah telling him he's too young to be a prophet. And there's so, so many. Don't get me started on the disciples. And what... Often we can tell ourselves that, you know, if, we, if, God, if God appeared to us in that way, we wouldn't say something so stupid. We laugh about it. But I think what we don't realize is it's actually their vulnerability to be so honest with God that they would say something so stupid is what qualified them for the encounter. Another person known for intimacy with God was John, right? The Apostle John. Let's just turn to John chapter 10. Wow, God. In fact, I didn't really need to make you turn there because it's one verse, but anyway, if you're there, you're there. Um, So in verse 27, he says, My sheep... Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So this is a key about how to be known by God. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus is talking about knowing his sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. Who are the sheep? The ones that belong to him, right? The sheep are the ones that belong to him. And if you read the verses before... They're the ones who cannot be snatched out of his hand, who the Father's given him. They cannot be snatched out of his hand. Now, how do we identify them? They're the ones that listen. They're the ones that listen. How many of us practice listening to good when God when we're not praying? Everyone wants to listen to God when we're praying, right? 
I just asked you a question. <laughs> what about the rest of the time? How are we cultivating that of our relationship, that listening side of our relationship? Uh-oh, we're going. Father, heal this microphone in Jesus' name. Wow, God. When he's prompting you and you're not prompting him, when it's inconvenient for you, then he says, so he says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. Now, the way that the Greek word for know there, which is gnosko, but I don't know if that's pronounced right at all, but you know what I'm talking about. The way that it's actually used there actually doesn't just mean know, it means to come to know intimately. To come, come to know intimately as a result of something. So he says, he says this, my sheep listen to my voice and as a result, I come to know them intimately. Right? That way, that state of us posturing our lives to listen to Holy Spirit's promptings as a posturing, a way of posturing your life. Not just when we pray at the end of the night or at the beginning of the day before we go to work or whatever it is, but just posturing your daily life, listening to him, cultivating that kind of connection with God. The, those people who do that, we let him come to know us intimately. That's what it says. God knows everything about you. But to know you intimately, he needs your permission. So, in that Matthew 7, when Jesus said, I never knew you, those scary words. He wasn't saying, yeah, you did some miracles, you prophesied, and you did some good stuff, but you were one of the ones that I chose not to know. Sorry. He's saying, yes, you did all those things, but you never let me in. And that was the whole point. The point wasn't to just be saved so you could do stuff. The point was letting me in. That's why I did it all. You created a separation in your heart between us that I risked everything and paid everything to destroy that separation. You built a wall where I created a garden. Now, in that Matthew 7 verse... Verse 21, it says, when Jesus says, not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's the will? That's a good thing to know, right? <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry, because I know I normally just talk about stuff that's just really fun, <laughs> and testimonies, and healings, and miracles, and stuff like that. But this is a big deal. This is a big deal. So what's the will? Well, just before that, just before that Jesus said those words, he was talking about recognizing fruit, good or bad fruit. And we find a similar kind of teaching in John 15. So in John 15, from the start of that, was where Jesus is talking about the vine, and he's talking about the fruit. And then in verse 9, he goes on to say, As the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, 
In the same way the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loves us. Wow. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. What's the will of the Father? Remain in my love. Don't take yourself out of that place of child-father intimacy with me. Don't take yourself out of that. Remain there, and then what? Love each other with that same love. The will of the Father is to remain in his love and then just let that love affect the world around you. Let him in. And then let him out. That's basically Christianity in six words. Let him in and let him out. Father, right now we just let you in. God, right now we just let you in, God. Holy Spirit is searching right now. He's probing and he's searching for the parts of your heart. The bits that maybe it's just been too painful to let him in. But he's saying it's okay. Just let me in now. When you do that, you will experience a wave of his love going through you to a level that you have never had before. Now, I'm going to go on to talk about a cool part. So, in John 17, so a couple of chapters on, we, we read about a link between glory and intimacy. So, in verse 23... Jesus is praying about us from verse 20 onwards. He's praying about the future believers. And we see that there's this link between glory and intimacy. So, in verse 22, actually, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Why? That they may be one as we are one. So glory helps us to be one. When Christians all over the world are in complete unity with him and unity with one another, then the world will know that God the Father sent Jesus. Because he says, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. So we often think that when he's talking about unity there, he's, he, it's... If you're not careful, you could read that as in this level unity. 
But he's actually talking about that unity, which then creates that unity. When that, when that line of distinction between us and God becomes ever thinner, heavenly experiences will become normal. That's what happens. When the line between us and God, that line of distinction, becomes ever thinner, heaven manifesting in your life becomes normal. The same person that wrote this, we all know, he had this encounter where a voice said, come up here. And then he wrote the whole book of Revelation. John was, as we know, was somebody who was known for intimacy with the Father and intimacy with Jesus. He was the one who leaned his head on Jesus' breast. About 11 years ago, I was, in, I was on holiday um, in France, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't a good holiday. I was there with a, an extended family thing, and it just, it was a very kind of, I would say, oppressive sort of situation at the time. And actually, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but when you walk through that house at night, you could feel the demons in the room. You could feel them all around you. Tangibly, you could feel it. And at that point in my life, I didn't really know what, how to deal with that. So it was, just, it was just horribly unpleasant for me. And, you know, it got to the point where I didn't even want to leave my room to go to the loo in the middle of the night because it was just, it was horrible. It was literally like you'd walk in that room and it wasn't just a blackness, it was like a terror. And um, I'm sat there in my room, wide awake in the middle of the night one time. I don't know what woke me up, but then I start seeing this light flashing in the room, a big light. It's kind of like a star this big and it was just flashing in the corner of the room. And I said to Kate, what's that? And I said, did we leave a camera on? And I, I, I got out of bed, I scurried into the corner and I'm throwing clothes around the place. I can't see a camera or anything, which is kind of stupid because who's operating the camera? <laughs> but, but anyway, it's the middle of the night. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, I don't find anything. I go back and sit down and then this light is flashing again. It went on for about an hour. This light is just flashing at me, and it's got bigger and bigger. Over the years, I've seen that a few times. There was one time where I had to forgive someone in my life and actually release them from something. And the second I said, Father, I forgive them, that light just appeared in the room right in front of me. I've seen it a few times. I never knew what it was. I used to say to people, oh, I guess, I guess it's... Uh, an angel, maybe? that Maybe that's how I see angels. I don't see them figuratively. Maybe that's how I see it. Literally about two weeks ago from today, I was watching this video on YouTube with Bob Jones. Now, who knows, does anybody know, not know who Bob Jones is? Probably some of you don't. He's, a, he's, he's passed away now, but he was a prophet who basically experienced heaven, I'm told, on a daily basis. That actually he went into heaven on a daily basis. Now, I know that I've suddenly just said something that for some people is going to be like, what? <laughs> we don't have time to go there. But I, I was watching this video where somebody, this lady was asking him, how, how does that happen? How, how does that happen? And he, goes, he just said, by faith. 
He said, I'll, I'll take you there now if you like. She was like, um, okay, really, now? He was like, yeah. And she held out her hand, and he held her hand, and then he just closed his eyes and he just started to pray. And she said, for, for a long time I just felt nothing at all. I saw nothing, nothing was happening. She just felt like she was just standing there, and somebody's holding her hand. And then suddenly, she sees this light, this white light appear, and it starts to get bigger. And he said to her, do you see that? And she said, what, you can see that? He goes, yeah, I can see it. Can you see it? And, she, and then it disappeared. And so then, then they sat down afterwards, and they're talking about it. And she goes, what was that? He goes, that's how it starts. That's how it starts. He goes, that's how it starts for me. I see the light. It gets bigger. It becomes a tunnel and I go into it and then I'm in heaven talking to Jesus. I, I, I was sat there watching this two weeks ago and I've been, I've been such a dummy. <laughs> I was in the car with my kids. I was like, kids, you're not going to believe this. Daddy really missed something. A big thing. <laughs> it's a, it was a door to heaven. I didn't even realize what it was. They should put like a sign on it or something. I turn around and one of my sons, he's just there like this. He's nine and he's just there like that for ages in the car. And eventually I said to him, what were you doing? He goes, Daddy, I was asking Jesus to open the door to heaven in my room tonight. I I believe it's significant. The reason I'm sharing that is because I believe it's significant that I've only just realized what that was. And I think it's because God is going to release something to all of us here at Eastgate. I actually believe that within the next 12 to 18 months, it's going to become normal for people in this place to have third, third heaven encounters. I really believe that we're moving into a season where the, God, where the Lord is going to release us into that. And people are going to have profound encounters with Jesus. It's happening all over the world right now. You know, there are Muslims that are having these kind of encounters. And then they're coming to faith in Jesus. And no one's taught them anything about it. It's just happening. But it's going to ha- this is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Now, there's nothing wrong with this, and we want more of this. But it's not going to happen because a prophet came and did a conference here. It's going to happen when we make it our everything to kill the separation that we've put in our heart between us and him. That's when it's going to happen. As far as God's concerned, there's no separation. He killed it on the cross. But there's still separation in my heart that I've put there. In the way that I withhold parts of my life from him and I don't let him in fully. So recently I found myself on my knees crying, God, kill the separation. Is this making sense? time to do if you want to do something about that right now now's the time to do something about it right now do not delay do not this the whole point of this message is us putting him off don't put him off anymore now's the time the reason you're sat there in this room right now is because now's the time you're hearing this message because now's the time now's the time 
If you want to respond to this, I'm not going to ask everyone to do it, but if you want to respond and you're able to, would you, would you stand up? Father, release your fire right now in Jesus' name. Father, we just offer you our hearts right now, God. We offer you our hearts right now, God. God, that there is any part of your presence not fully manifested in this room right now, it it was our choice, God, not yours. That was our choice, God, not yours, and we're sorry for that, God. Because you already chose to pour yourself out so completely on us 2,000 years ago. It was us that withheld. It wasn't you. It wasn't you, God. You never withheld yourself from us. You never did. And right now we just reject the lie that says God's ever withheld his presence and his love from you because he never did. He never has. That is a lie from the devil. And right now we just reject that in Jesus' name. Fire right now! Fire right now in Jesus' name. Fire, God. God, would you just kill that separation right now? Lord, we offer you our hearts, God. We ask that you would kill any separation. Search our hearts. Find our hearts. Test our hearts. Search our hearts, God. Not just today, but every day, God. Every day. Every day. Don't let's just be a one-day thing. Every day, God. Every day, God. Search our hearts. Search our hearts, God, and find if there's any bit that's offensive and painful to you. God, would you show us it, Lord, and that we can deal with it, God? God, so there'll be no separation between us and you. Father, that heaven will be manifested on earth through us. Wow, God. Kill it, God. Kill that separation, Father. Yes, he's a good God. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he's all forgiving. Yes, he's merciful. But that's why we don't want to shut him out. That's why we don't want to shut him out. If you know, if there's a part of your heart that you know, there's an area of your life that you know you've been holding back from him, or if the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you, just say to him, right? Just say, take it, God. Take it. Take it, God. Take it. Take it, God. Because I don't want to waste my life playing church. Take it, God. I didn't come to church to be part of a club. Take it, God. I want you. I want the real deal. I want Jesus manifested in my life. I want nothing less. I want 100% you. Take it, God. Take that thing away. Father, right now, I just release your grace right now in Jesus' name. I release your grace right now in Jesus' name. Let every single heart in this room be radically, radically filled with your love, radically filled with your power, radically filled with your goodness, radically filled with confidence, radically filled with faith. Father, they would go out of here today with an unstoppable measure of faith in Jesus' name. That they would see the world around them no longer as an intimidating thing full of fears and worries and anxieties. But they would be going, I have got the God of heaven inside me. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I bring hope 
and life everywhere I go. I bring hope, life and miracles everywhere I go. The king of heaven is in me. Everywhere I go, there's life. You are so full of life. You are so full of life. If only you realized how much life you had. Sickness dies when it comes near you. It dies when it comes near you. When sickness comes near your life, it dies. And now you might say, but I'm ill right now. I've got stuff wrong with my body. That might be true. That might be true. But from this day forth, you can declare, I am getting healthier every single day. I've got more life for me right now than I had five minutes ago. I'm manifesting more of his kingdom in me right now than I did five minutes ago. Because of the increase of his government and his peace, there'll be what? No end. It's only getting bigger. It's only getting greater. I'm only leaking more life. I'm only getting healthier. I'm getting healthier every day. I might be getting older on the outside, but I'm getting younger on the inside. He's renewing my body. Romans 8, 11. He regenerates your body from the inside out. It says that. You are so full of life. Fire God. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to rest on people's hearts. I just would encourage you to just remain in this place right now. Let him rest on your heart. I feel like he's wanting to literally marinate hearts. You know, you, when you start, when you heard me talking about some of the stuff I was talking about, there are people in the room that you just start, you, you just, oh, well, I don't want to hear a message like this. You're expecting it to be a really painful surgery, but you know what? He's a great surgeon and he's so gentle. And I feel like he's wanting you to know that I'm just going to massage that thing out of your heart and I'm going to soak you with my oil, with my honey, with my love and I'm, it, you won't, it will just slip out. It's just, that thing's just going to slip out onto the floor and you're going to feel about 10 stone lighter. This is what he's doing right now. He's taking, I feel like there are people in the room, he's taking bitterness out of hearts right now. And you're like, I'm not a bitter person. No, you're not a bitter person, but there is something there. There's a little thing. It's like a tiny little speck. It's a, and the, he's like, I don't want that speck. He, if you let it go, he's taking it now. It's just going to fall on the floor. It's just going to slip out onto the floor. Wow! And he's just going to marinate your heart in his love. Wow, Father. Wow, God. Thank you, Daddy, for your love. Thank you, Daddy, for your love. Ho! There's people who are forgiving. There's people here you're forgiving. There's people that you're forgiving right now from childhood stuff. Some of it is decades old, and it's it's pain that's just come become fresh again. And the, and and you're just releasing them right now. The Lord says, release them right now, and you're just going to see how close to heaven you are, how close heaven is to you. Wow. Thank you, Father. <laughs>